Welcome to the Ministry Marks Podcast. My name is Thomas Majors, and I'm joined by David Haynes. Today, for our topic, it's going to be the glory of God. So it's a theological topic, and I'm, ex- I'm excited about that, excited to uh, study this topic with you. So what is the glory of God? Give us some Bible verses. Okay, so as I was preparing for this, my, my mind went to several verses about, uh, they kind of give us some ideas about God's glory. The first of those was 1 Corinthians 10, 31, where Paul calls us to do anything that we do, everything that we do for the glory of God. In that passage, he's talking about whether you eat meat that had previously been part of an idol sacrifice or idol idol worship temple service, or if you do not, if you refrain. He says, whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. I also thought about Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 3, where we learn that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. And you may have some further thoughts on that a little bit later in the podcast. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, teaches that uh, those verses teach that, that calling upon the name of Jesus brings glory to God. As we place faith in the Lord, God is is glorified. And so maybe that helps us understand a little more about maybe what brings glory to God. Isaiah 42, 8 specifically states that no one else has the glory of God. There are no idols with God's glory. There are no little G gods with God's glory. God stands alone uh, and his glory is unlike anything else. Psalm 72, 19 says that the earth may be filled with his glory. There are also passages of Psalm that talk about the, the heavens declaring the glory of God. In the, in the Old Testament, we know that, that, that the glory of God filled both the tabernacle and the temple. So those are some verses that I thought of that, that kind of got me started on this idea of the glory of God. Now, Thomas, what, what are you thinking about? All right, so when I think about the glory of God, I think of it in two different ways. And I think the Bible and some of the scripture that you have quoted to us, it gives us this idea as well. So it's not something I'm just making up here on the moment, but, but it's an idea that we can uh, bring from the Bible. And one is that the glory of God, we could be talking about uh, God's nature. I mean, his superlative nature, his honor, his reputation. Uh, for an instance of that, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we fall short of his, his glory, his superlative nature, his goodness, his, his reputation, and all of those things. But also, we could say that the glory of God is substantive as well, and that would be what you referenced at the end of uh, that that segment that you did, where the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and the temple. So there's two different things. There's the glory of God when we're talking about his reputation, and then there's the glory of God when we are this visible manifestation of God's greatness or God's goodness or some some essential nature of his character. And so that's that's kind of my ideas when I talk about the glory of God. I'm looking at it at two different ways. One is substantive and the other is superlative that we're uh so 
Have you ever thought about it like that? I have. And my question with both of those is how much of that can we understand? How much of that can we grasp? Well, he's as transcendent. So <laughs> <laughs> we don't grasp much of it. He's transcendent. <laughs> Absolutely. I think you're right about that. Let me let me share with you this idea. Uh, as I was reading through and getting my mind around some of the things that you've mentioned, I did a little bit of detailed study when it comes to a passage a passage in Exodus chapter 33. You'll recall this story. Moses, Lord. I want to see your glory. Exodus 33, verse 18. Moses asked to see God's glory, or depending upon your translation, he asked for God to show him his glory. And those words are the same. It's the same Hebrew word, could be translated show, it could be translated see. So I began to think about that. And I began to think about what that might have meant for him to ask to see God's glory. Recently, I was reading a, a secular novel. I was reading a book, and it was talking about whenever a person says, let me see that, it is wanting to understand the details of how that works. Much like whenever a, a young person, maybe there's a young man, he's about 10 years old, and one of his buddies has a new pocket knife, and he says, hey, I want to see that pocket knife. That means I want to look at it. I want to think about how this pocket knife was made. I want to think about the function of it. I want to understand this pocket knife to the absolute best sense that I can understand it. And so whenever I did some homework on Exodus 33, 18, I found something kind of interesting. That word, which is translated see in some translations or show in other translations, it could be translated to know or maybe even to understand God I want to know about your glory. Or God, I want to understand your glory. Now, you remember how that passage winds up. God says, well, Moses, I tell you what, bud, we're going to put you over here in a cleft of the rock. And I'm going to put my hand, I'm going to shield you. You can't look upon my face. I'm going to shield you. And then just as I'm almost exiting, you'll be able to see a little bit of the glory of God. The way I was always taught is it was just the the almost like a wedding dress, the train. He didn't get to see the full effect of God's glory. It was just a little bit of God's glory. Something else that was very interesting in that passage in Exodus 33 is when is when Moses is asking the question, God talks about Moses asking about his glory and God talks about his mercy and his compassion. So I think that is something interesting we're going to pick up on in a, in another passage or another point in this podcast in a little bit. Thomas, I'm going to kick it back to you. What are your thoughts? Here's my question. The glory of God, what is it? What do you, what do you think that Moses saw? Okay, I think it has something. You're trying to steal my thunder here, but I, I'm, going to, I'm going to elaborate on that a little bit longer, a little bit further with what Jesus says. I think the glory of God has to do with his mercy and his compassion. Basically, if you make one say now, you can go ahead and do that. But I asked what he saw. I think I think he saw the acts of certain acts of God is what I'm is what I'm thinking. I may be wrong, I may be wrong. And you're, and you're going more theological than just practical that I'm asking right now. Uh, did he, did he see light? 
I think that he did. If you were talking about the Mount of Transfiguration and Christ, did they see the glory of God to some extent on the Mount of Transfiguration? If so, we know that the scripture records that is, it was about clothing. It was about white. It was about light. And, and so maybe Moses saw some of what they saw on the Mount of Transfiguration, possibly, possibly, possibly. So when I think about the glory of God, of course, I think about God's, uh, as I say, substantive. When we're talking about the glory of what people have seen, we're talking about something of substance. Uh, so they've actually seen something, but it is part of his nature that is emanating. So I can definitely see that it is compassion, that it is mercy. It is part of the goodness of God, the emanations off of, is that a word? Emanation? It sounds good. So it's the emanations uh, of his, of his character, of who he is, his nature that he is allowing people to see because he's God and he can do that. Okay. Now let, let me ask you this. Okay. Where are some other places in the Bible the glory of God was shown or revealed? And then let me ask you this. How was it revealed? Okay. One that comes to my mind, one that I'm, that I'm going to mention a little bit is not this, but one that's just come to my mind. I, I, I'm thinking about when Christ has been born and the angels announce his birth. That's what Would that be seeing the glory of God? Uh, what do you think? Would that be I, a I think when angels are present, that it usually says something along the lines of um, that there's a great light, that there's this bright shining light. And, and even in some of the passages, it says angels reflecting God's glory. So I think angels uh, can reflect the glory of God, just like much like Moses when he came down from the mountain and his face would shine, he is reflecting the glory of God. But, but there are other places that I have in mind that, that I believe are emanations of God's glory. I know you don't know. You can't read my mind. I cannot. I cannot. That's a very difficult subject. I've written one down. I, ju I, ju I wrote one down. I think I think I just read your mind. <laughs> okay. Let's hear it. But go, no, no, you go first. You tell me, and I'll tell you if I get it right. <laughs> okay. The wanderings in the wilderness. The wanderings in the wilderness. When there was a cloud by day and a fire by night, I believe that was the glory of God. The Shekinah glory of God, absolutely. And they were manifested in those ways. It was a leader. I've always heard the cloud protected the children of Israel during the day from the extreme heat and, you know, to help them not be as tired during their, during their journey. So, yes, absolutely. What are some others you're thinking about? Well, there's one from the New Testament. Is that what you have? I think that's what I just wrote down. But what are you, you keep, you keep talking. Let's see here, big okay, boy. Okay, so I believe the star that led the Magi from the East, I believe that was God's glory as well. I, I don't believe that's just any star. It's not a coincidence. Yeah, no, I, I right. think that is very reminiscent of the wanderings in the wilderness being led and this star, this glory of God leading the Magi to the Messiah. You did not go in the direction I thought you were going to. We've mentioned the phrase light. We've mentioned the phrase bright. And as you were speaking just a moment ago, I thought you were going to say that Saul on the road to That's Damascus saw uh, 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 you know, the glory I of he, God. I believe he saw the glory of God because of that bright light. 
I also believe, as you've mentioned just a moment ago, Mount Transfiguration, because they see this great light that is there. I believe that is a physical manifestation of the glory of God. Also, there's another one that is, I mean, everybody kind of knows this, Isaiah chapter 6, when he's standing in the throne room, there's the glory of God has filled that place. Yeah. And so, again, we could ask the question, what is the glory of God? Well, it's uh, communicated to us in two different ways in the Bible, I feel like. One is superlative. It is his character. It is his reputation, my glory. And he's talking about his reputation on the earth and things such as that. And then there are those other times where it is something physical that someone has seen. But again, I believe the glory of God is the physical manifestation of God's nature. It is, it is part of who he is, and it is emanating, and he is allowing people to see that. So the other, the other passage that I read that I, it, it helped me in understanding the glory of God, it goes back to something that happened in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus has some good friends, Mary, Martha, Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus uh, got sick. Lazarus died. You know the story. Uh, hey, why don't you come? He was late. Eh, you know, all the behind the scenes of the Jewish custom of how long did the soul linger after or the spirit linger after death. And so he was four days late. Even when he's four days late, he's still on time. Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> <Preach>. and, <laughs> and so what, what, what I found of interest was this. As he shows up, you know, there's the Bible verse where we all love to read Jesus way up. Our children love to memorize it. But this is what he said. He told, he told the family gathered there that if they believed, then they would see the glory of God. Okay. If you believe you're going to see the glory of God. So what was the glory of God that Jesus was referring to at that time? Obviously, what we see related to that passage, one is compassion because Jesus wept. And the other would be the power of God in that he has resurrected someone from the dead. So I would say in reference, just out of context, I would say it would be compassion and power. Okay. I agree with you 100%. Now, let's continue on. I, what, I, what I'm wanting to do is allow you to connect some dots that I think are worth connecting. Let me ask this, Tim, if you agree. Could it be, according to that passage, could it be that God's glory is in tune with his actions? compassion, power. Could it be that his glory is in tune with his actions? You would say yes. He's nodding. For all of you who are not standing here next to Thomas Major, he is nodding yes. I, I am nodding. <laughs> and God is one of, of nature. So it has to be. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Because he is one of nature. It, it, it must be part of his glory. Part of his actions are part of his glory. Yes. Absolutely. And it's, I, it's, I, I totally agree. It's got to be because so Jesus, there's no division of nature with Jesus him. says, believe, you're going to see the glory of God. We see these awesome actions of God. So now, two-part question, does God still act in our culture? Yes. yes. Can God's glory still be seen through his actions? Yes. Yes. I, I I really feel that it is. So something to help me as I was thinking about this is thinking about the glory of God 
as we see it through his actions. Now, this is where it blew me away as I thought about this. Thomas, has God acted in your life and does God act in your life? Yes. So can people see the glory of God through his actions in your life, through you? Yes. I agree. I had never thought about this until two days ago. I'd always thought God's actions were high and holy and set apart and totally not, they're not dependent upon me, but separate from me. I am sinful humanity. But as I was studying that passage, I thought, you know what? There is a connection between the glory of God and the action, his actions and the actions of, of his children. And I'm a child of God. And, and, and whenever the Lord works through me, maybe it's a preaching ministry, maybe it's, a, not, maybe it's just ministry in general, whatever it is, I believe that others and even myself can see the glory of God through his children. So that, that kind of that that helped. When someone sees the glory of God. Now, that's one of the things that we pray for, right? God, may you be honored and glorified in my life. Is that for his reputation or is that physical? We've already said there are two ways that the Bible illustrates to us the glory of God. One is substantive and the other is of his reputation. I think it is of his reputation. I, I, I I don't think it would be substantive. I think it is Giving glory back to God is what is what I would say. Is that what you would answer to? Well, I would, I would say it would be reputation, but in a very small, distorted type way that it would be a bit of the physical manifestation of the glory of God, even though it's not necessarily a light like the Bible has clearly communicated that to us, but it is something physical to see. And it is also something about his character or his reputation. So I think we didn't mean to get into this subject, but there are some attributes of God that are completely his own. He does not share with people at all. But then there are some of his attributes that he does share. And I think that we would, we would probably agree. I know I think this. I think glory is one of those attributes that he shares with people. And we are allowed to bring glory and even reflect the glory of God in our lives. I think you're right about that. And as, as you were speaking just a moment ago, my mind went back to what the old-timey preachers used to call the unction of the Spirit. And whatever that was, I'd Dude, always say— I want, Well, I know when I get it. I know when I get it, and I want it. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, yes, I totally agree. So this—I finished my sermon. I, that's for a podcast later. That's for a podcast later? I mean, like— that your mama asked for. Yes. <laughs> about walking in the spirit. You know, you write about that. You write about it. Actually, I'm not going to share what I was just about to share. I believe the unction of the Holy Spirit is the filling of the Holy Spirit. I, you know, that's, that's where I am. I believe it is the filling. It is not the baptism. It is the, the overflowing 
presence of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. I like that overflowing. I like that. I like that. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. All right. So now to get as, as my train of thoughts, and for those of you who don't know, Thomas and I, we only, we only prepare these podcasts. Uh, just, we, we just toss topics to each other and then we come and we just talk and we see where it goes. And for those of you, I, I have, I have detailed notes of the scriptures that I reference. all this stuff where Thomas is using big words. It sounds like he's reading out of a book. He's not, he is quoting all this stuff from memory. His memory is super blessed, but we just come and we talk and see what areas that the Holy Spirit might lead us to go down. So now back to the glory of God. So yeah, manifestation, it is an amazing thing to know. Like you said, there are some shared things. Hey, we can be partakers. We can absolutely be part. Second Peter, second Peter chapter one talks about us being a partaker of Christ, uh, uh, partaker with God verses two through four talks about that where, where we partake. And I think glory is one of those things. And I go back, I'm, I'm not a person who makes my children memorize catechisms and that sort of thing, but it's like either the first or second traditional catechism is something like, what is the chief end of man? And the chief end of man is to bring honor and glory to God. And so everything in our life, whatever we do, we are to bring honor and glory to God. And so why do we do evangelism? To bring honor and glory to God. Why do we preach? to bring honor and glory to God. That's the chief purpose. And the other things that flow out of that are just secondary things that God God blesses us with. The main purpose is to bring honor and glory to God. So we can reflect God's glory and we can uh, bring glory to God as well. Thank you for joining us on the Ministry Marks podcast. I hope you all join us again soon.